Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Yeah, he's got an oblique um, situation that trying to figure out the grade of um, impact to it. But clearly he's going to put him on the I.L. and he's going to spend some time on it. And it's going to be a while for it to heal. I'm sure a question will be how long. I wish I had a crystal ball for that. We don't have it. It's not a minimal situation. It's a, it's a real um, uh, strain tear. I don't know which exact grade you want to call it, but um, it's significant enough that Jack's going to miss some, some time. And it's going to be a while when we're still in the exploratory stage to figure out how long. So that's how the day started for the St. Louis Cardinals. It ended, though, on the right foot. Late last night uh, here in St. Louis, well past midnight, the Cardinals pull out really an exciting win over the Dodgers, 3-2. to two. It's the Danny Mac Show. I'm Dan McLaughlin. That's BK. Tanner's with us as well. So we'll start with the news of Jack Flaherty. That is a big loss any way you want to look at it. Uh, the Cardinals, when Jack Flaherty starts, mentioned this during the game last night, they are 9-2 and two in the games that he starts. And other starters, are, uh, when they when they don't have Flaherty on the mound, the team is a game under 500, 21-22. So you're in a, a tough road trip here, finishing up today. It's been a tough stretch of games, but uh, what do you do going forward if you don't have Jack Flaherty? That's something that we're going to dive into here. We're going to visit with Rick Honeycutt, former pitching coach, also pitched here in St. Louis, long major league career, former pitching coach with the Dodgers. But BK, good morning. What a game last night. Good morning. That was a fun one, Dan. And they showed you that they can win in a number of different ways. We've seen it with the long ball this year. We've seen them struggle at times when they don't have that to their advantage. And last night, they found a way to do it with pitching, with defense, and with some damn good base running in that game. Not just the base stealing, but the base running as well. First to third, that was big uh, especially late you had the stolen base from Tyler O'Neill. that was big Sosa can't get a bunt down but by showing that he was going to bunt you had the third baseman Turner have to step in uh, I, I think he took maybe a step BK or two even with two strikes and what happens Sosa pulls it through the left side if he's playing his normal position even with two strikes um, he had he still was thinking he was going to bunt and because of that it opened up a hole just enough and O'Neill scores the defense. He had the Dylan Carlson play that saved two runs. He had Tommy Edmond with a great leaping catch and then the final play of the game which was the catch by Tyler O'Neill on the track in left up against the wall. Great play, great jump, held on and the Cardinals hold on. It, it felt you know, I say this a lot, but it did feel like there are certain games that feel like a playoff game. And that was a great major league game on June 1st of what is a long 162 game season. You can tell by the emotion that players show, I think, just how significant the game is. And Dylan Carlson, when he made that massive catch in center field, the diving play that he made, you saw him show the emotion. Tyler O'Neill, the expression on his face, the veins popping out of his neck at the end of that game, your call on that play. It all had the feel of, oh, my God, what a win for the Cardinals. And, Dan, they needed that one. Big the time. Dodgers were throwing their bullpen game. That is your best chance to steal one from the Dodgers. You just got the news that Jack Flaherty is going to be out for a while. I would imagine, just looking some stuff up and not trying to play doctor, but I would imagine for the month of June, you can probably expect to be without 
Jack Flaherty at a minimum. And they're going to be very cautious with him. Sure. And they should be. Um, So when you're going up against a team that you'd at least like to believe the Cardinals are a peer program with right now, you got to at least steal one of three. And so to be able to get that one last night and your best opportunity to do so when your team's playing well, that was big, man. They couldn't lose that one. Carlos Martinez tonight, Walker Bueller, who's obviously very, very good. So uh, it should be a great game. Looking forward to a game three tonight. You can see it on Valley Sports. There were so many things that I took away from that game. And one of the things I think we would have talked about this morning, and I'm going to bring it up now, was the missed opportunity in the first. So you had the first three on, and then Arenado came up second and third third Cardinals did not score after that they got a ground rule RBI double from Goldschmidt and you're saying at that time got him on the ropes you know you got to get at least two maybe three who knows maybe you walk into a home run you get a four-run inning and you win the game but they bent didn't break Gallegos one of the problems the Cardinals have right now just talked about on the crossover with Randy and Michelle you know you, you got your big three but you're in 17 games in 17 days you can only go to those guys so much so as it pertains to what you do in your bullpen, because one of the guys I'm more interested in watching after watching what he did in Arizona is Jake Woodford. But are you thinking now, do we have to stretch him out? Does he go to be a starter? There doesn't seem to be anybody in the minor leagues that you'd want to dip and bring up. I could be wrong about that. But the you know the main names you talk about are like Zach Thompson. He's been in the bullpen, hasn't pitched well, hasn't been a good start for him to this AAA season. Matthew Libertor has been fine, but you're asking a kid to go from A-ball to AAA, and oh, by the way, didn't have a minor league season last year. That's asking a lot. So maybe they dip their toe into the waters and see what's happening outside of uh, their organization. One of the things to consider is when you get to Memorial Day, you do have a pretty good idea of really the lesser teams. Now, there might be some middle teams that could make a run that still will hold on to players, but Memorial Day will give you an idea, and I'm talking about the lower, lower end teams. Is there somebody you can pluck? You know, is there somebody you can go after and try to fill some gaps? And I've they got may some have names to do that. for you. you I'm to sure throw you a do. Few your way, yeah. Um, I mean, these are not. I want to be very clear here. The Cardinals, if they're making a deal right now, it would be to hold them over for a while to get them some innings. So some of the names that I came up with that could be of interest: Matt Boyd of the Tigers. Kyle Gibson, he's on the IL right now, but he's had a really good year when healthy for the Rangers so far this year. He's on a two-year deal. It pays him $10 million this year, seven next year. He could be of interest. I don't think John Means is going to be available because he has so much term left on his contract. He's still a pre-arbitration player for the Orioles, but if the Cardinals wanted to go get somebody that could be good for this year and beyond, maybe he's somebody you look at and then John Gray is the one that really kind of makes a lot of sense to me I don't know that the Rockies would be willing to make that deal given what happened over the offseason but he's on a one-year deal six million dollars he's been pretty solid for them so far this year so that's kind of four names that could be of interest on teams that are bad right now that might be willing to deal yeah and I think it'll be interesting with um coming off the losses of last year BK and you don't know about the CBA of next year how willing and aggressive will some of these lesser teams be in shedding payroll and just saying look we we just want to shed payroll just get it out of here and i don't know the answer to that i was just thinking off the top of my head would teams be more willing to do that this year because of the losses of last year and the uncertainty of the upcoming year is it more about money and getting rid of it if you know you're not going to win and that's something i think you have to keep in mind
Yeah. The other thing the Cardinals could do is there are a few players available on the open market. Not good ones, but <laughs> players available nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Rick Porcello, Cole Hamels, Homer Bailey are all out there. Again, these are just names. I, I don't know if the Cardinals are going to have great options available until we get closer to the deadline. The one everybody wants to hear about is Max Scherzer. Guys, I don't think that's going to be a name we talk about for at least the next six weeks. I just don't. The, the Nationals, nothing in their history suggests that they're going to be willing to deal this early on. Well, a couple of years ago, too, they were terrible through 50 games or so, 60 games, and then won the World Series. The other thing, too, is with Scherzer being a free agent and with that ownership, you know, they want to see him go into the Hall of Fame with the Curly W, I would assume. That's something to consider. You know what I mean? I mean, yep. who knows about, you know, what the the sentimentality of the, the ownership group, the front office is with him. Or they could say, hey, we'll deal you and bring you back. I mean, that's happened with other teams, too. But it is something to consider. John Mosaloc was on the pregame show with Jim Hayes yesterday on Valley Sports, and he gave an update on Flaherty's injury. We have done an MRI this morning, and the initial read on it is is there is a strain in his oblique. But we do know we're going to have to place him on the on the IL, and then ultimately we'll bring up uh, Oviedo or recall Oviedo today to replace him. Either stick Oviedo in, into that spot or stick somebody like a Woody into that spot. That's the one that intrigues me again, um, but it's going to take a little time to get him stretched out. Now you could make it a bullpen start if you wanted to do something like that. Woodford Ponds back to back, maybe. Yeah, you could do something like that. So you got Wayno Martinez, Kim Gant, Oviedo, and then we'll see if uh, Woodford is a part of that. Mike Schilt, how do you adjust going forward? Yeah, I mean we're obviously <laughs> trying to figure it out. I mean, you know, I mentioned Oviedo's back. I'm not sure exactly how that'll work or how to plug in. You know, our rotation for Cincinnati will be Wayno, KK. Uh, to be determined, and, and Johnny Gant. Look, it's, uh, some of those questions are probably for more of the Mo um, than myself, but we're doing the best we can in a short term to figure out a solution like we always do. All right, so then let's ask him. How about John Mosaloc? Injuries are mounting for this team, and you know we're trying to do what we can to work through that, putting a lot of stress on our minor league system as well. So you know, it may have to be where we have to start looking outside the organization, see if we can't get some some supplemental help here. But, you know, clearly it's 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 uh, we're, we're feeling stressed right now. Yeah, you're feeling stressed. And here's the other problem, BK. There's a ton of injuries already in the minor leagues, too. Yep. Position players, pitchers. So, for instance, Scott Hurst, which would have been a guy that you thought about maybe calling up with the injury to Bader. And when O'Neill was out, he was up earlier this year can't bring him up he's on the il large new who we saw a lot in spring training really good defensive player was off to a good start he's on the il i mean there's a ton of injuries right now in the minor leagues that's one of the early storylines in minor league baseball and it's in major league baseball as well uh dan i read this earlier today from jason stark and his piece over at the athletic he's awesome by the way at, he's he's tremendous he's the best as of may 31st there were 244 huh. players on the il across the sport there wasn't a single day all of last season that there were that many players on the IL all at once. That is a 30% spike when you look at the same mark at that point in time in 2019. So it, it's been an issue in the majors and the big place where it's been the biggest issue is with the pitchers. Uh, the number of pitchers who made IL visits in the first two months up 50% compared to that same time span in 2019. And if you're looking for where these injuries are taking place, 
It's the soft tissue issues mm-hmm. in the elbows. Hamstrings have tripled. Oblique injuries have nearly doubled. We just saw that with Jack Flaherty. Groin strain ILs are up 700% compared wow. to 2019. There were two of those in the first 60 days or so of 2019. There are 16 of them so far this year in the majors. So the injuries are a problem all across baseball. It feels like it's worse here in St. Louis just because we're covering it every day. You know what? If this was last year, we'd be done with the year. We're through about 60 games. Isn't that something? It's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, coming up, we're going to visit with Rick Huntingcutt at around uh, 1030. Looking forward to that. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. a little excited uh that was uh, in the wee hours of this morning and the great catch made by tyler o'neill in left there was a lot of really good defense put on by the cardinals last night a couple double plays turned as well um oh i was going to go somewhere with you bk and now i just forgot it but the general theme of what we're going to talk about in this segment is defense and that was something that we thought about going into this season well, one of the things I thought was going to be the strength of this team is not, which was their bullpen pitching and depth. It's being tested. Uh, I didn't see all the walks coming. It's been shocking to me to see all the walks. That's on the negative side. But the positive side is that this should be a very good defensive team. Now, on this road trip, they've had some lapses, but last night is why you won the game is with defense. Carlson's great play in center. Edmund, that was a nice play. Didn't It wouldn't have uh, scored a run, but a very good play. Yep. And then, obviously, the play by Tyler O'Neill. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Initially, off the bat, I thought it was gone with Betts. Oh, so did I. Yeah. I think everybody did. I mean, it was a rocket, and I think Betts thought it was off the bat a homer as well. I think so. I think he did, too. Because he, he looked at it a little while. He, he he admired his work, and I don't blame him for doing so because it the way it sounded, the way it looked, the trajectory, all of it seems to indicate, yeah, this is going to be a home run. Dan, it's not just us who are watching the Cardinals defense kind of in awe on a night-to-night basis right now. It's also the opponents. I always love kind of finding out what the opposing manager is saying about your team. Yeah, Dave Roberts was glowing about it yesterday. Glowing. After the game, he said, quote, it was remarkable. I thought the line score didn't really tell the story as far as how our offense, the at-bats we took. I don't know how well well they've uh, defended as far as throughout the season, speaking of the Cardinals, but tonight it was a difference maker for him. And that's what that's why it was. they won the game. That's the right way to look at it. It was a difference maker. And this is what they're going to need without having Jack Flaherty out there every fifth day or sixth day, the way they've been doing it. You're going to need the defense to steal you some games over the next few weeks. And they've shown that they're capable of doing exactly that. I think right now, once they get Harrison Bader back, you're getting pretty close to having your best defensive alignment out there. And I loved yesterday. I got to give Mike Schultz some props. Him keeping Tommy Edmond at second base and putting Rondon out there in right field, I thought that was the right decision. I'm glad they're deciding, you know what, Tommy Edmonds, our best option at second base defensively. Let's keep him there right now. Well, I'll take it even a little bit step further. 
uh, to me, it, it tells you their confidence right now in Lane Thomas. You know, if Lane Thomas was what you thought he was going to be, you're not putting Rondone in right. And with, you know, David Price, a lefty on, you got Lane Thomas, he would be your right fielder. But I, I think at this point, there's just not a lot of confidence in him. And they, he hasn't given them a reason to have confidence in him. Now, to your point, they're a better team with Tommy Edmund at second base. I love Tommy wherever he plays. Got to be in the lineup. Play him somewhere. But they're better defensively with him at second. And not having Carpenter there, uh, not having Sosa there, I don't care who it is. Tommy Edmund is my second baseman. Out of necessity, you've had to put him in the outfield. But I thought last night that was a glowing statement in a way that Lane Thomas has kind of fallen down low on the ladder in terms of who you trust to put out there in right field. Not defensively, but what he's doing at the plate. Because if you look at how they used him a bit on this trip, he's come in late innings defensively, so they feel he's okay there, but he's just not hitting. And so Rondon gave you a better chance, and I, I actually thought that was the right move. It absolutely was. They were right in doing so, and i got to give credit where it is due. And Mike Schilt made a great decision yesterday in, in sticking with Edmund at second, putting Rondon out there in right field. I just... This is a team right now that it's going through a little bit of the 2021 blue syndrome where they are just beaten down injury wise. You've got we did our 20 most important players for the Cardinals coming into the season on BK and Ferrario. I I relooked back at the list last night. So I was like, how many of these guys that were on our top 20 list are out? It's five of the top 16 players on our list are mm. currently not on the field for the Cardinals. They're who, on the injury list. So, so you got Bader, you got uh, let me think of Flaherty. Uh, Michaelis, Hicks, Michaelis, Hicks, and then who was the other one that we had on there that is not DeYoung. out there? DeYoung. Oh yeah, DeYoung. DeYoung was third on our list coming into the season. Wow, and that that is a little high. That was based on Tanner's uh, placement. Oh, oh okay. that's not. But well, we don't gotta <laughs> throw people under the bus here. But right, it was. Tanner. Wow, this guy. I mean, that's crazy. That's the number one, three, seven, thirteen, and sixteen players on our twenty most important players list. Yeah, they're not in the lineup right now. We should find it's out tough. more this weekend about Bader and DeYoung. And the problem w- with what they have is is based. Basically, they're trying to make sure it doesn't go to a hairline fracture. Because if you get to a hairline fracture and you try to push it doing baseball activities, there's some simple activities they can do, just simple exercises, things like that, just to try to stay sharp. But if they push it with baseball activities and something happens, then you're talking about them being out a long time. So they're going to be very careful with that. Hey, I, I love what I've seen out of Sosa. I was so, to say, he's bought you some time, too. Absolutely. And I think he's bought himself, even when fully healthy, playing time. You know, DeYoung's going to get a run, but, you know, he's going to have to produce, too. And Sosa has produced, and he's played very good defense. There's no question about it. There's a lot of criticisms that you can have about the depth of the team right now. The Cardinals deserve credit for sticking with Edmundo Sosa when a lot of people, myself included, said, man, is that really a roster spot that they need to take up with Edmundo Sosa, who has no options remaining? Is there anybody that's going to take that guy? And the answer might have been yes, maybe no, but... They would have lost what has now been a very valuable piece for them if they had decided to go the route that many of us were asking them to. And they had invested a lot in him. You know, a guy they signed, they developed, took him a long time to get to the big leagues in baseball years, but they always knew about the glove. The glove was always there. Now, he could be a little erratic because he's very aggressive. He's actually toned that down a little bit. He did that uh, in the minor leagues. But I think you see, when you when you see him, he's got a little flair to his game, too. He's got good range. He's got a good arm. And now he's finally hitting. It just took a long time for that to develop and give them credit. They stuck with him because it easily, you know, coming out of spring training, you easily could have said, BK, that I'll go with Rondon. 
He's hit really well. He's got major league experience. He can play the outfield. He can play third base. He can play second. He can play short. Um, and you could have said, I would go with Moroff, too. He's a switch hitter. He's had a great camp. That's another guy you look at. And options. It gives you more flexibility sure. on the roster. But they stuck with Sosa. And let's give Sosa a lot of credit. Didn't play Absolutely. hardly at all. And so for him to come in and stay sharp and be available and to step up, which is what you hope with a bench player, to give the occasional start. But if somebody goes down, you fill in, and you hope it's not a – you know, you hope it's a seamless transition. He's been able to give you that. It's been fun to watch him. Can I ask you a little bit about Tyler O'Neill before we get to Rick Honeycutt? He's been great. In his last 12 games, Dan, he is 16 for 47 with four doubles, seven home runs, and 20 strikeouts. So that's a lot of strikeouts. He's striking out a ton. He has one walk in that stretch. Yeah. So he's striking out a ton. He's not walking a lick. He does, he's just there free swinging. That power plays. Is this the player that the Cardinals thought he had the potential to be? Oh, yeah. Are we seeing I, I that mean, now? Absolutely. I remember talking to some people in the front office when they acquired him from Seattle, and they said, wait till you see this guy. He can really uh, hit the ball with authority, exit velocities, jumping off the charts, which are all the metrics that you look at. What they didn't realize, as Michael Gersh told us, is he's as fast as he is. I mean, he's in top five, I think, of sprint speed. Um He's fine defensively. You know, won a gold glove last year. That was done by sabermetrics. And the metrics of what he's doing in terms of sprint speed, jumps, that kind of thing. I think sometimes, I'm not sure he's a gold glover at times when I watch I him. But you know what? He's above average, well above average. And congratulations on the gold glove. Not to take anything away from him. But this is the guy that they thought they could get. Now, you said free swinger. And I agree with you. A lot of home runs. A lot of power. A lot of strikeouts, but he is letting the ball get a little bit deeper, and you're also noticing him try to stay on that pitch on the outside portion of the plate. Doesn't pull off, and th- that was from day one of spring training this year. He made a concerted effort to do that. So give him credit to make the adjustment, and I'll say that when healthy, Harrison Bader's made that adjustment too. Are they going to pull off some pitches? Yes, it's baseball, and that's been their track record, but they have made an adjustment this year and maybe have gotten over the hump, and there might be a stretch here coming up with Tyler O'Neill where it's a week and he strikes out 15 times. May happen, but he's going to walk into some home runs. There is no doubt about that. It's the breaking balls that were an issue for him yeah. over the years. And he he's, hit, he's smashing breaking balls now. It's crazy. Mashing he hit it. 115 against breaking balls in 2018, 173 against breaking balls in 2019. Last year, 193. This year, 290 against breaking balls with seven home runs. He's got a 756 slugging percentage against them. You can't throw him a breaking ball right now. No. And when he's going up there and he knows more or less what's coming at him, man, he is a dangerous player at the play. And it extends this lineup so much when he is playing like this. Rick Honeycutt, the uh, former pitching coach of the Dodgers, long major league career, is our next guest. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. We hope to visit with Rick Honeycutt coming up here on the show, Danny Mac show. A reminder that uh, we have Cardinal Baseball on Valley Sports tonight. Uh, it's a uh, it's a neat night and a neat day around Major League Baseball. It's uh, ALS Day in terms of trying to raise money and awareness, Lou Gehrig's disease. And so that's an important uh, announcement that we'll be talking about, I'm sure, throughout the day. 
in terms of the fight against ALS. So looking forward to that. There's a lot of thing, things that happen here locally uh, to support that cause. So looking forward to that, BK. Yeah, absolutely. Are you guys going to be doing anything on the broadcast in particular that you know of for I, it? I'm not sure if the players are wearing maybe. So we'll point it out if they're wearing something on the hat sure. or the jersey, something of that nature. But, yeah, we'll we'll definitely be guiding people towards uh, some of the websites and uh, you know where to to help support it. So it's a good thing. I know Boog Shambi of the the Cubs is uh, longtime Cubs or uh, Major League Baseball broadcaster now with the Cubs has been uh, huge in terms of trying to raise awareness with this and money. So um, I'm sure he had the ear of some of those in the front office of Major League Baseball and got this done. He actually talks about that. He was on with Carriker and Smallman earlier today. If you missed any of that interview, check it out on the podcast page 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app. And uh, he he was able to kind of give some of the background on how this came to be. Right now, we are very happy to go out to the Brownie and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by Rick Honeycutt, former Major League pitcher. He's with the Cardinals in 96 and 97, and he was a Dodgers pitching coach for more than a decade as well. Rick, we sincerely appreciate the time, along with Cardinals broadcaster Danny Mack. I'm Brandon Kiley. How are you doing today? Doing good. Headed to the golf course. It was a great, great day here. Well, Rick, uh, is it? Uh, do you miss being in the dugout, or would you rather be on the golf course? <laughs> well, I definitely miss you know uh, miss the game. I'm I'm still you know associated with the club as a special assistant, and so I'm actually now with things starting to loosen up, I'm going to start going out to see our minor league pitchers and get to get to know them. And but uh, yeah, the you know the game itself uh that that part you you miss that i mean a lot of the the travel and uh the prep work is uh, i don't miss miss a lot of that but i do uh do watch you know stay up with with our club and um you know pulling for them every night so um obviously love the game and and glad that i'm still still associated with it rick when you look back in uh, your time here in st louis really a transition period for the organization in a really uh huge way a positive way tony la Russa, dave duncan walt jockety guys that you know quite well uh took over in 96 and the tide turned here in st louis you guys were one game away from uh heading to the world series what was your time like with all your years in the big leagues but what was it like to to finish it up here in st louis no, it was it was it was awesome. I always, you know, um, the time that I was with as a as a player with the Dodgers when I was active. I mean, I knew what great fans uh, St. Louis had, and the you know their tradition and everything. Getting getting a chance to uh, play, you know, my last last two seasons in St. Louis was was. Uh, a real blessing and I enjoyed my, my time there. The people were great and um, fans, fans obviously awesome. I always remember going to uh, the series against Chicago and back then we would have, I mean, it was like a sea of red in Chicago. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. It was like a football atmosphere type deal. So it was um, it was a great experience. Enjoyed it, Rick. You've been a part of some really good rivalries. Cubs Cards is certainly right up there. What what was that like to be a player as part of that in the late nineties? Yeah, I mean it was. That's why you know just just mentioning. I mean, I, I've never really seen that type of atmosphere. Obviously, you know the the Dodgers and the Giants back then were always 
going head to head, but he didn't have that type of. I mean, it was. I, I think just the the fans being that vocal, it was almost like a hatred between the where the 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 Giants and the Dodgers were, or the like I said, the Cubs and 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 St. Louis. I mean, I think too the Cubs fans tried to you know come to St. Louis when they get tickets and they had their section and. But it, like I said, I've never seen anything quite like the uh, um, the atmosphere of so many people that made the trip from St. Louis to Chicago and supporting the team and see the sea of red in in, uh, in an opposing city like that. It was it was like I said, it, it was it was almost took me back to like a you know a college atmosphere. It was just it was crazy. Rick Honeycutt is our guest, former major leaguer, pitched here in St. Louis, pitched a bunch of years in the big leagues, and a longtime pitching coach of the Dodgers. And, and Rick, you saw Clayton Kershaw, who ironically made his major league debut, if memory serves correct, on a Sunday afternoon against the Cardinals. So you saw him at the very beginning, and then you saw him turn into one of the preeminent pitchers in the game and a Hall of Famer. Um, what what has it been like to see that transition as the game has changed, but also he's been able to adapt and still be uh, one of the best pitchers in the game? Yeah, I mean, Clayton, you know, you, you get a chance to be around, you know, uh, a player of that that caliber not not very often and he was definitely, you know, um, came up, they brought him up at such an early age and um, you saw him just, you know, transform and get better and better and better. And um, I think whenever you you look at him from about, uh, you know, ninety, uh, I mean, in the there there when he finally got up and got got settled in, I mean, he was for you know for the his first ten years. I mean, he just he just didn't see anything like it that uh, how he controlled the game, uh, just <clears throat> continue to get better. But he's such a great person. People, you know, I'm sure there's been, you know, enough written about it now. But, I mean, hard, he's just everything that that you want um, as a teammate, as a coach, just a extremely hard worker, great, great teammate, great, great baseball mind. And um, he's, you know, Extremely hard on himself, which I think any any good player is. But uh, really um, assesses his you know outings you know very very well. And what I mean by that is that he didn't make excuses. It was always you know he took he took responsibility for his actions and his mistakes. If whatever the game you know didn't have that many, but I mean he would just. Always uh, up front, and um, felt like uh, you know that that day, his fifth day, it was his his game, and he was going to give you everything he has. And you've seen him, you know, still transform and be you know very successful, even as as time's gone on with a lot of taking those innings and and uh, the injuries that he's had to deal with, and continue to compete at a very high level. Former Dodgers pitching coach Rick Honeycutt joining us here on 101 ESPN. Rick, one of the guys that we've had the pleasure of watching this season uh, on a day-in, day-out basis is Nolan Arenado after the trade that the Cardinals made with the Colorado Rockies. 
you got to see him regularly playing in the same division as Arenado. Uh, what was it like for you to be on the opposing side of things as a pitching coach and trying to put together a plan of how to pitch to Nolan Arenado? And what did you think of the trade whenever you heard that the Cardinals were going to be able to acquire him? No, that was uh, extremely, extremely uh, great move by the Cardinal organization to get a player of that caliber to solidify uh, that position. I mean, there's, you know, there's really, when you look at the game, I mean, there's superstars and then there's, you know, gamers, and that's what Arenado, Arenado is not only a superstar, but he's he's a, he's a gamer. He, bring, he brings that intensity uh, every day to the ballpark and and um, extremely, extremely tough. I mean, the, we'll, we'll see, obviously, his numbers as they play out in, in uh <laughs> in uh st louis but i i anticipate it to be you know he's there in the middle of the lineup every day it gives you a, a graded bat much less being uh go glove caliber third baseman um but yeah we saw enough of him when he was with with colorado that uh glad to get him out of our division for sure and only have to face him you know six or seven times a year <laughs> hey rick this is my final question for you you know tony la Russa very very well pitch for him you know, different stops in your career. Uh, he decides to get back in the game in, ter- in terms of being back in uniform and in a dugout. What did you think of Tony at the age of 76? You know how tough this travel can be. You know how tough this could be dealing with media and all the different things associated with it, the younger player, whatever. What did you think of Tony uh, getting back in the dugout? Well, stay, you know, stay in touch with Tony. He actually called me about, um, a couple of people they were interviewing in the pitching coach role because we had one of them in our system. He was calling about, and I, I kind of kidded him. I said, "What do you, you know? You really want to get back and do this, you know?" And and because uh, he knew I was stepping down from him, I said, "I've I've I've uh, had had enough of the travel. Plus, I had back surgery, so I was really you know uh, down down, but." Uh, you know, Tony is just a grinder. I mean, Tony just always stayed, you know, stayed as a advisor or whatever in different organizations. So I think, I, I think in a, you know, I think in a way, Tony kind of looked at it it's like I'm seeing how the game's going, and maybe um, I'd still like to, you know, be in, you know, in control of of on the on the field and I think that's really what you saw him saw him do was uh and of course he and Mr. Reinsdorf have, have such a great relationship that's where he started out and I think Mr. Reinsdorf is like uh you know I want to win again before for I'm getting up there and I want to I want to win again and I think he I think he's the one that you know just reached out to Tony and said look we're going to get get the players in here we got a good ball club but we need one more uh infusion and he says i think you're the right guy for the job and i think tony's taken taken that and i think he's uh you know you can say say whatever but tony's been very successful at what he does and you may agree may may disagree with but uh he brings a style of play that uh if the players buy into it he's he 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 knows what he's doing
Hey, Rick, before we get you out of here, I wanted to ask you about an issue that's plagued the Cardinals this season, and it's the the walks coming out of the bullpen. If you just lined up every bullpen over the last 60 years and said who has the worst walk rate of all of them, it's the 2021 Cardinals so far. They're walking about 15% of the guys that they go up against. When you've got an issue like this, Rick, as as a pitching coach, is there anything you can do to kind of mitigate uh, the, the walks and um, just help guys throw strikes more consistently? Is there any? What can you do as a pitching coach to help that? Well, I think you know your your jo- job as a pitching coach obviously is, is to support these guys and get their trust. And but to me. You, you run into certain situations, I think, whether they be young and and that's where he's somewhat kind of like that veteran presence and and get get people that that can solidify your 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 bullpen because it is it is kind of almost um, becomes um, second nature to you and they they work as a unit just like the starters and then the everyday players. Your bullpen's got to come up with that philosophy of how we're going to you want guys that are attacking and if you're walking you're not attacking so your mode's got to be i'm i'm coming with you you know with my best stuff and walks are you know just are killers out of the bullpen or any pitching you know no matter who's pitching i mean walks you're giving them a, a free base and we've had situations i know in la where first batter efficiency was was way down and you you have to just try to figure out how with each guy what what could, they can connect with and what again though find out what you know you got Molina there he's going to lead them stay with him and um, but attack with your attack with your best best stuff and then go from there but yeah walks uh, out of your out of your pen are, are a killer and you just can't uh, it's hard to survive with it you know you got to. Right now, the Cardinals have got a got a great team, and that can be a detriment to you. But it also kind of works. If you think too much about it, it becomes you know, I don't want to walk this guy, and then you group one right down the middle. So it's it is a it's a tough tough uh, dialogue that you have with with your guys, but you want to find get them over that hump of of where we always just took the approach. That you know we're we're a group that are going to attack. We get beat. We get beat. We get beat because they hit the ball. That we don't give them free passes. Hey Rick, uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for jumping on and uh, hit them straight today. Good luck mm-hmm. with the back too. Okay, all right. I appreciate it, guys. You got it. That's uh, Rick Honeycutt, former Cardinal. He was here in ninety six, ninety seven. Long time uh, pitching coach with the Dodgers, and uh, you know he's had a lot of talent there in L A. Namely. Clayton Kershaw. It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I, I loved your question. That's a great question because I it's you do want to have outside perspective on how do you cut how do you cut down on the walks? You know, what do you do? I mean, there's only so much that Mike Maddox, a Rick Honeycutt, a Mike Schilt can say. But what can you do? And mindset is something, and he's right. Yachty can, you know, maybe call the game differently with certain guys. I don't know. Uh but the bottom line is ultimately it's on the pitcher's shoulders to throw strikes. Gotta throw strikes. 
it's, gotta happen. And when you watch this defense, like the way they played last night, for example, right? It just makes it that much more frustrating yes. because if you've got a bunch of dudes that are out there and you're basically trying to recreate the early 2000s baseball teams that are just power everywhere and you're just you're selling out for the power. OK, I, I can kind of understand it, right? You're trying to make sure you're fine and you don't want to bring that defense into play. It's not this Cardinals team. The Cardinals might have the best defense in all of baseball. And when you're throwing, at, when you're pitching with those guys behind you, just pitch to contact. Like if you get into a 2-1 count or a 3-1 count, pitch to contact. The guys behind you are going to make the play. you got to have confidence that they're going to at the very least. And far too often you get into those situations with this team. It's like, oh, here comes a walk. It's 2-1, walk's coming. And it's, it's when there's two outs and you put a man on first and now you flip the order over and now Mookie Betts is coming up. Like it, it's just so consistent that you can almost, you can see it happening before it actually takes place. I know this is cliche. Best in the world do it three out of ten times. Really, it's now about 2.6% of the time. You know, I mean, they, the, the best in the world are hitting about 270, 280. Yep. Now, they're driving the ball differently than they have in the past. I mean, you're seeing a lot more home runs, slugging, that kind of thing. But to your point, though, BK, this would be the point of emphasis would be you have elite defense behind you. You got Arenado, very good shortstops. You got Goldie at first, Gold Glover. You got Bader in center when healthy, Gold Glover. O'Neill, Gold Glover in left. Uh, Tommy Edmond at second base is playing gold glove type defense and your right fielder should be fine too. I mean, it, it, and you've got one of the game's best catchers ever behind the plate. And it's just, I, it's very, it's, it's just, I can't put my finger on it as to why they are walking so many batters. I can't figure it out. It's strange. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. I can't explain it. And we've asked, I mean, we've had how many different pitching coaches that we've talked to over the last two weeks, and I've asked all of them, how do you cut this down? And all of them seem to say the same thing. Like, hey, it's a mindset thing. Great, but that doesn't help the pitchers right now. Like, I get it. I totally understand. I think the answer is, Dan, like, it's just there's not a whole lot you can do. It eventually just has to come down to the players to be able to go out there and execute. And part of the game now, it's max effort from pitchers and hitters are swinging from their heels and they're trying to knock the ball out of the ballpark. So you're being careful, really careful with your pitching. And sometimes you get too fine and that's what happens. Uh, You're flying solo today. I am. Well, it's going to be me and Tanner. Oh yeah. Really solo. Sorry, Um, Tanner. Alex will not be with us today. He is, uh, he's under the weather. So, you know, I come in when I'm sick. Alex is going to go ahead and take a sick day. It's mm-hmm. fine. We've got Katie Wu, Cardinals insider, joining us coming up at 1130 to talk about the latest with the Jack Flaherty news and what could be the answer both internally and outside options. She'll join us at 1130. And we are hoping to have Bernard Gilkey at some point in the one o'clock hour. So looking forward to the show today. All right. Good stuff. You've been listening to the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.